you're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Ready to conceive solutions to problems in an atmosphere free of political correctness? Find a new sense of purpose at wadesense.com. That's wadesense.com. Welcome, everyone, to Wade Sense, the podcast. My name is Wade B. Olson, the Sage of St. Louis. I am the host of the show. Across from me sits the technical savior of this show, Mr. Mike Wilkerson. Good to be here. Good to be here. Mike, first off, I do have some housekeeping items that I wanted to get into. I know that I talked to you a little bit about a uh, bartending cab driver concept that I had called Talk uh, Truth at Last Call. I met a couple, a bartending couple, downtown in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and they were very interested in the concept as well. They would be great for the project. Okay. But I need to find a second cab driver, hopefully, obviously, in St. Louis. So if you're out there and you're listening, please get a hold of me at wadesense.com because this could be an amazing project. The other thing is, is that I'm still finding strong support for reducing the teen pregnancy. I've been talking to a lot of women since then, and they they, they want the program now. The neat thing about developing solutions for programs that have such spark like that one does is Mm -hmm. that they are, like everything else we make on my network, Mm -hmm. perpetual needs. There's never going to be a time, unfortunately, Uh where we don't need to focus on young mothers becoming mothers way too early. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I want your your solution and my hole poking Mm -hmm. to create something that's never been made and be suddenly a solution where it ends teenage pregnancy, it's not going to. And so making different content that we have that is perpetual, that can be that source of the spark of conversation, Mm -hmm. I'm really proud that we were able to do that and that it continues. That's the whole point of every program that we're making here. Yeah, that's that's why I'm still continuing to talk to people on the street and getting their their input because that grassroots level is, is the best way to continue to find out whether we're on the right track or yeah. not. And, yeah. and, and like I've said before to you and our audience, you know, the things that we propose on this show, they're not permanent cures. They're, hopefully they're just the beginning of a start. What we're after on Way of Sense is a paradigm shift in thinking about a number of different topics. Now, I don't know about you, but I always consider all of our conversations as seedling moments where everything yeah. that we have can be taken and then either somehow built on or made more robust by more input. Oh yeah, that's yeah, the, absolutely. That's the goal of everything that we're doing. Right, right, right absolutely. Right, right. That's why when we when we do this, how the, the the model has been in our show is that I'll come with a concept, and then Mike starts poking holes in it, and then together we fill the holes in. But uh, absolutely, your input is just going to complete the process and make it that much more accurate and full. Time to dig into this week's topic. Right now, what I want to talk to you about is something that's been ringing around in my head for at least 10, 15 years now, Mm -hmm. how to properly bring children to adulthood. In this case, using the Wade Sense method. So is this parenting the Wade Sense method? Is that what we're looking at here? No, like most things on the show, it's it's dealing with... I, I always try and think of whatever we're talking about... I mean, I, I hope that our audience as as individuals will relate to it, but in keeping with the, the show's goal of trying to create paradigm shifts and thinking and how, look how to look at things, I'm always thinking of the millions. I'm thinking of the 350 million people out there. And I, I think it, it's not... It's impossible to look around and see the way that kids are today and don't think that if you're in our age group, you know, late 40s, early 50s, that we went off the track somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think that both you and I can feel that part of that is 
somewhere along the way, people decided that it was time to treat children as uh, like junior adults or voting members as opposed to being a part of no you're you're part of this family but you're not your your hand is not on the rudder you're not deciding where this boat goes and too many parents anymore seem to be this have this desire to have their children as uh, as friends you know and and I always told always told my kids it's like <laughs> I'm your father which is a lot closer to boss than it is friend and it seems to me and I've been thinking about this is that one of the things that we could do, we're all such products of the commercialization in our society. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with kids is that advertisers started going after kids as being basically junior adults, consumers. These are people that don't even have jobs, and you're treating them as they're deciding where the economy is going. I disagree. I, I, and one of my feelings is this, and I always hate to do this. I always hate to bring it back to being a legal question, but it, it is. There needs to be a law that you cannot, and I know you're going to have fun poking holes in this one, you can't market to children under the age of 16 unless it's fun or educational. we, we got to let kids be kids in a, a less boundaried, buffered, safety cushion environment so that they can do that and have, not have to worry about them being constantly bombarded by buy these clothes so that you can look like this idol or come to McDonald's so that you can get this toy. It's like, no, 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 no more of that marketing. If it's not something that's going to teach them something or it's not fun, which is what childhood is supposed to be. You're supposed to have fun in a carefree environment and yet at the same time be slowly learning what it means to be an adult, not, not, not push right away into that. And to that effect, I've had some ideas that I put down that I think would really get us going along the right track. One, stop marketing to kids. Two, I think that the penalties, once again, keeping the environment, the idea that, that kids need to have a safe environment, the penalties for crimes against children, and also really against old people as well, need to be the severest. It's like if you are a pedophile or you do something sick with kids, you're gone. You're just it's life sentence, rock-breaking prison. You don't get to be a part of society anymore. It needs to be so scary that the last thing an adult would think of doing is anything to a child. I know, draconian, uh, controversial, and it, and it shouldn't be. Because as a society, I feel that we need to have almost a primal ferocity when it comes to guarding our children. Not overprotecting them, but just keeping it so that they... As a child, you should never have to worry about being attacked about your environment not being safe. It, it shouldn't even come into the picture. Okay, another thing that I think is that um, part of the, the method is let's be proactive now with their health again. I was watching a Joe Rogan interview, and he was talking to this guy, I think I talked to you about this, who had, uh, had military experience, and he was talking about how there's this common misconception today that uh, it's easier to get into the military than it is to college, and that is not the case. You have, you, you have to be smart enough and in shape enough to get into the military where eventually any college will take you. And this guy was talking about how you could poke your head into virtually any classroom in America and the amount of children that's obese just in the last 20 years is scary. And you take that and you take failing grades into the mix and now upwards of 80% of the population right off the bat is ineligible for military service. I'm old enough that I remember when a part of my childhood in school 
was, and I talked to you, I know we talked about this before, the presidential fitness uh, test, doing whatever matter of push-ups, sit-ups, whatever it is. You know, in a lot of schools, they're actually getting rid of the recess programs. You get rid of recess for kids? I mean, I don't even understand that. And the playgrounds that are left for kids are basically these overgrown hamster habitat trails, you know, these these slides that don't really challenge you, the swings are gone, the merry-go-rounds, tetherball, all of the things that we grew up with that toughened you up, didn't kill you. I mean, I can't count the number of times that I got scabs or scrapes or uh, whatever, but I made it I made it through childhood and part and that's part of childhood. And we need to be able to bring that back. Along the same lines of of being a pre-proactive kids, teach them what is healthy food and actually start not rabbit food, but the next step back is just let, let's get away from constantly throwing fatty fried food at our kids. I mean, if, if you know that it's unhealthy, th- there's a neat idea right there. <laughs> it's like I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea along about fifth, sixth grade. Uh, show kids the, the um, Supersize Me. D- did you ever see mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's, an, it's a great film. Yeah. Morgan Spurlock is a genius. And oh, yeah. With a couple of political identification problems that I have with him in general. Uh, I, 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 oh, I don't really... know what his politics are. There for another day's discussion for sure. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, the, the gist is that the stuff that he does, the situations he's willing to put himself and his wife back then in, mm-hmm. and what he likes to bring to light. I like to watch those things. It's the what else has it, he done? I'm not familiar with that. Other than uh, there's that, there's a whole listing. We'll actually link up to all okay. of his stuff inside okay. the show notes for this, and you can just go click on it and see the entire listing. Okay. Uh, he's got a couple of other super size me like things uh-huh. he also has done a series of series on um, both cnn and a couple of other outlets okay where it's him digging in deep literally just oh. hit, they drop him into insert situation and he gets it all captured on film and i i don't remember if there was a team or not involved i'm under the impression that there wasn't and i mean that's what made it really interesting for me is, oh, i'm intrigued i'm gonna have to look into this a, yeah, there's a again it's him taking his filmmaking skill set and knowing what looks good and is compelling on camera mm-hmm. to an audience of very eager people to see what he's talking about and shoveling that to an audience. I mean, that it, 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 it's kind of exactly what you're talking about, where Super Size Me was the wake-up call for yeah. the people that should be watching it. Yeah. The problem is that the people that should have been watching it, they weren't watching it. No, but what and, if we did that in schools, into a, Right, but see, Super Size Me really turned into more of a shock jock kind of thing rather than a real appeal to what's going on inside of what is being eaten. That's damn pity. That really it, is. It, 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 was, it was terrible that it didn't get the attention span that it did. And that's why I was compelled to watch all of his programming, not just supersize me, because I want people to have that other perspective that's not crazy wacko, mm-hmm. but that is decidedly outside-the-box perspective right. so that you can understand what people are literally going through, not being told what people are going through and you trying to just get it right morgan spurlock through the variety of things that he's done he's done exactly that well i'm definitely where, gonna go back and look through his stuff yeah it's 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 yeah. tremendous there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff that is i've forgotten the name of the series but it's a series of episodes where he puts himself into the land of the gun nut okay where he goes and he experiences life with what he would have when he started See, the now, journey. i love that kind of reporting i do too yeah i, I absolutely love it what i really loved is that you're not judgmenting you're just getting the perspective of the inside well, that world and see the neat part though is that he is taking a bit of judgment and okay. he's going against the grain intentionally so that he can understand it better that is not unlike what we're doing here yeah. where i want people i want people to come to us with their questions and concerns about yes, what we please. say and then I want to talk about them. Yeah. 
the concept of an echo chamber is something that works great when you're talking about conspiracies or uh-huh. incredibly end game politics from either the left or the right. The the goal with all of his programming, very much like what happens with this program, mm-hmm. is that uh, you want the dialogue. Echo chambers work great inside of conspiracy theory focus. Yeah, it also works great for end game politics, whether it's the left or the right. It's great where you just sit there and you yak, and it's just you talking, and nobody else hears anything because nobody's there. Right. Centered dialogue piece is much more robust, and it actually yields results, which is yeah. why we're doing our program the way that we are. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the, the effect that, that we had watching, and, and I got it. I have to confess, I never watched the whole thing. I watched bits and pieces of it, mm-hmm. and I was struck by it. And uh, as much as as I eat on the fly and end up going through drive through, mm-hmm. it, it's hard for me to eat the really fatty foods anymore. There, there's a couple of other akin to Super Size Me programs that are now on Netflix and the other streaming services. I mean, that will rock your world. You you would watch some of those things, and then you will not touch insert name of product again. Right. And I'm very careful about doing that, because I don't mind modifying my diet, mm-hmm. but horrifying myself and yeah. having to sit in front of food. <laughs> I, I have to be really careful with that, because I, I, I'm not the extreme actor, but I, it, there's only so much information I can take in my head where my head won't then pop like a zit because there's so much bad information in it. Yeah. So I, I really do have to take that in very, very sparingly. I, I know. We're, we're, we're going to link to a couple of other efforts that I'm thinking of that I, I'm not going to go and dig into because I don't want to sit and watch them. <laughs> <laughs> but we will talk about them because they, they're, they're relevant. The truth in food focus is something that has been missing for a very, very long time. Yeah, I don't know why we don't teach the kids that. They, they should know that. I mean, I just, I just imagine if you had... Uh, the, the video that we're talking about, Super Size Me and others like that, and you were teaching that to kids, showing them fifth, sixth grade, what kind of an effect could it have on what the kids want to eat? Because here's something, I don't know if a lot of people know this, I learned this a while ago and it just it stunned me. Worldwide population, there's 470 million people that have diabetes now. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely insane. Sure. And you cannot point that more than anything, it's diet and it's lack of exercise. Well, the, it's it's also lack of education. And well, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dig back back into that when we start getting to the to the meat of what you're talking about and then right. we'll run back to the beginning. So okay. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. But at the same time, let's teach kids how to grow food. I think that that's important as well. If you know where your food is coming from, maybe you're that much more uh, uh, conscious of what it is that you are eating. Mm-hmm. Let's bring back recess, like I was just talking about. Bring back free playtime. I know that I was telling you about, and I need really need to, to look this up and do this. Maybe on the next time that we do the YouTubery is uh, risky playgrounds. They're playgrounds where a lot of times it almost looks like a construction site, but kind of geared down to a junior size. I mean, there's literally there's hammers, there's saws, there's piles of dirt, there's shovels, there's there's all kinds of stuff. And then there's a, a guy on the playground who's just kind of loosely monitoring stuff, and the kids love it. I mean, it would drive helicopter parents insane with worry, but they're not getting hurt. They're they're starting to spring up all over the country, mm-hmm. and I just I love that idea. I saw this, and I need to I need to get a copy of it and really give it to my children to deal with my grandkids. It was a list of chores because that's another thing as well is with kids is that when in our society today that there's a large portion of children that are now at this point almost adults, and their very first job is graduating from college after college there there is a shock to the system that a lot of them aren't ready to handle 
And that shouldn't be the case. I mean, I think that as we've gone along in society for the last hundred years, things have gotten easier and easier and easier. There's more free time. And with free time, there's a lack of activity. And I I think that overall, it's having a very negative effect. Uh, A lot of kids that I knew growing up didn't have chores. I had chores and my kids barely had chores. So chores are part of learning a work ethic. Mm -hmm. You should bake something like that in early because as adults, work is a part of our life. You should be able to enjoy it. And this particular, uh, it was a a meme that I saw on uh, Facebook and it was a list of chores starting at, I think it was even as early as like maybe a year to two years old. And they were just a slow progression of chores up to the point where by the time a child was 14 or 15 years old, they knew how to cook. They knew how to clean. They Some of them even knew how to sew if need be. But, but, the, but the point was by the time that they would be ready to leave the home, they already had, one, a work ethic, two, skills to survive on their own. Something like that should be taught in schools and at the same time, I don't know, like a course for, for offered for new parents or something. But, I mean, if you're doing something like that, that's part of the process of getting kids from children to adults. And last but not least, at least is what I have so far, is I think that we need to bring, and I'm absolutely sincere about this, we've got to bring old people back into the process of raising kids. Even if a child doesn't have grandparents that they can talk to, I just, I imagine this program where in our schools, maybe every week, half a day, you would go in some kind of situation. Maybe you don't necessarily go to a senior citizen's home, but some kind of an area where kids and senior citizens, if they're their grandparents, great. If not, the best part of our society, it's crazy when you think about it. The part of our society that has the most knowledge, the most experience, the most wisdom, and they're pretty much just shuttered away and uh, virtually ignored when they should be an integral part of raising the, our next generation. You know, I just I picture this this program where the kids can come and have one on one time loosely supervised with senior citizens learning a number of things, just asking questions, playtime, reading, whatever it is. But that should be a part of growing up. That should be a part of their education. Mike, I know that our model that we've been using is basically I come with a concept and then I roll it out and then I say, go ahead and do your whole poking best. I know that as a parent you look around as well as me and that you're concerned with what's going on. Do you have any ideas that you would add to this, to this method that we're talking about? Well, I, I think in the whole poking, I'll help you come up with a couple of other facets that I think we're looking past. Okay. Mike, please do your whole poking best. All right. So let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's, okay. talk, let's talk about, again, we were talking about those of us that are, I'm in my late forties. I'm 48 as we record this. Mm-hmm. You're 53. I'll be 53 in a couple of weeks. 53 in a couple of weeks. And let's let's rewind, because when I was seven, I was pretty much on my own. Mm-hmm. My, my mom was working at least two jobs right. that I'm aware of. Right. Uh, I, I hardly ever saw her, because mm. I was either outside with my friends, especially during the summer, yep, yep. or I was in school, and Same here. hardly ever saw her unless we were going out to eat mm-hmm. or... Something akin to that. Well, I saw my mom nightly, but it was basically the same thing as you. It was kind of a hands-off childhood. Yeah, I, I mean, like seriously, the the um, my dad left when we were when I was six and a half, seven, mm-hmm. heading towards that Christmas. Yeah, and so from seven on, I was the man of the family. Right, and I I know that 
I grew up way faster because of circumstances, because of how they were dictated to me. Mm-hmm. And I know that kids nowadays don't grow up faster. They are encouraged to grow up faster. Right. And many of them will take to it mostly because they're given more, either more responsibility or the availability of responsibility. And then it just happens to them. But I think they're growing up fast in the wrong way. The way that they're encouraging is, is in the way that they're going up fast is the, that, go ahead. The, there's another piece though. The other okay. piece is, and I, again, I have a, a 15 year old as we're talking. Right. And I know that my daughter has grown way faster than I can remember 12-year-old girls growing when I was a kid. Yeah. Not only just physically, but mentally. Yeah. You know, it is it's it is a different platform. Is it unsettling to you? It's not unsettling to me. It's just that there's a different set of circumstances, and you've got to whip out your Swiss Army knife as a parent yeah. and then start whittling away at the pieces, parts that you know you can that are going to be effective. Uh-huh. And nowadays, you have to whip it out so often and begin whittling and not let a long period of time go without not whittling. Yeah. That if you do, it then becomes hardened and very hard to try and chip away at. Yeah. I, I really do feel that, and I feel that across both male and female. And then again, as we glance into where you get to now choose whether you're going to be male or female. I, yeah. <laughs> th- th- there's a bunch of that that I don't understand, and this isn't the program to jump into it. But the, the, the just oh, no, is no, that, I think actually it kind of is in what we're talking about. And see, see, though, it's not, because I think it's very clear. Are well, you no, going I, to choose to be? <laughs> are you going to choose to be a... Pre-adolescent? No, no, we're male? on the same. Are you going to be a pre-adolescent female? Right, no, no, we're on the same okay. page. I agree okay. with you. I, right. I agree with you on that. But that's the problem is right now in society. That's one of the things that that is trying to creep in is that they're saying that children at a ridiculously early age, with some of these people, can decide what sex that they are right. when they're barely out of just believing whether Santa Claus is real yeah. or not. When when I was a kid, when I was seven years old, I was playing one sport. I was playing baseball, and I gotcha. was playing at a very good high level. We mm-hmm. were in the World Series, the uh, Little League World Series back then when I was wow. seven, eight, nine, and 10. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I lived for the summer. Uh, I can remember vividly going to school and seeing all of my, my baseball playing buddies, mm-hmm. and I could not wait to not be at school and go mm-hmm. play some baseball. Right. So, yay. And that's awesome. And I had friends, and it, and it was great, and I could stay out until all hours of night. It didn't make any difference at all. Mm-hmm. It was just a completely different time. Yeah. Uh, what I also knew was, like, I knew what was in the fridge. I knew how to make hot dogs. I could make cinnamon toast like a master. Egg sandwiches. You any know, number all, of simple stuff. Yeah, all, of, all of the simple stuff. When I knew either mom wasn't going to be there or we weren't going out, I knew how to take care of myself and my buddy that would come over. His name is Jeff. Mm-hmm. And Jeff and I were... You know, there's uh, some stuff that I just saw on Instagram. We'll post some links to it over to a place called Rosati's Pizza. Because Rosati's Pizza... My mom has, she died about a year ago. Uh-huh. And so she won't be able to hear this. Uh-huh. But there were many nights where Jeff and I just ordered a Rosetti's pizza. We didn't <laughs> we didn't bother eating hot dogs or whatever the hell else she thought we were going to eat. Who's paying for that? We were. Oh. We were. Because that's something else that I was getting to, which is there was allowance. Uh, and yeah. the reason that there was allowance is because there were chores. Uh-huh. And there were things to do. And if you didn't complete them, well, guess what? You then you don't get your twenty dollars, right. right? And if you don't have your twenty dollars, then you don't get to just go buy stuff, right? You got to eat some house. To, you don't get to drive, uh, ride your bike down to the uh, the electric game arcade. You don't get to ride your bike to the local general store to buy some bubble gum and whatever the hell else you're going to buy, right? Uh, if you didn't have money, you couldn't buy new pieces parts for your bike. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, and that was it. There right. wasn't, Daddy, I need blah. Right. Okay, here you go. Right. And that's something that I've been very careful about laying in for my daughter, which is 
we actually just we hit this roadblock recently this weekend uh-huh. where I did just buy her something. Right. The, the gist is that I bought it for her, uh-huh. and we got home, and then she wanted to go and buy something else later that that evening. And I said, well, how much money have you got? And she said, well, Daddy, I don't have any money. Mm. And I said, well, it's actually worse than that. You're minus $6. And okay. the look on her face, she was horrified. Right. And that's the little speed bump that we hit now, and she's 15. Yeah. So that concept of there is there is a number, and after you have the number in your pocket and the number in your pocket is gone, yeah. well, now what are you going to do? And the answer can't be, I'm going to ask Daddy, because that right. works until about now for right. my daughter, frankly, because it's the way it's going to work. Yeah. She's now going to do some of her chores, and she's going to collect her $20 a week, right? if she does her chores, and then she can get... Minus six dollars, so she'll get fourteen this week. Right, and she'll go, Daddy, Daddy, why do I only have fourteen? And the answer is, well, last week, I paid an extra six dollars for your item. Good for you. Good oh, for you. Okay, well, those concept light bulb moments are a big piece of what I want to focus on when I start hole poking inside of everything that you're talking about. Okay, because okay. that's a big one. Okay, that is a huge one. That that I think today's children have so few light bulb moments where they're actually given a moment to pause and go, wait a second, this isn't what I thought. They're never given that opportunity now. Yeah. And not having that opportunity means there's no self-reflection. Yeah, they're crippled later. Right, and it does. It, it absolutely cripples them because yeah. their expectations are in a completely different level. There's no one there other than their friends to go, yeah, man, that's not right. Yeah. Okay, well, that's not going to help you. No, not at all. The, the people that tell you, man, that's not right, they don't help you in adulthood either. Exactly, they're not paying your bills. It's, it's not right that the cops are going to arrest you just because you broke the law. Okay, well, you <laughs> kind of broke the law. Exactly. And so it doesn't have anything to do with being fair. It's if you broke the law, right? Well, no, man, that's not fair. No, you broke the law. And that little tiny sliver of common sense light bulb moment is what is completely missing. And it, it is the it is the biggest uh, hurdle that faces not. I don't even think all of our kids. Right. I think it's a lot of everybody currently. Yeah. Because I can look at people that There's are no accountability. almost thirty There's years no accountability. old. There's no accountability. That are almost thirty years old now, and they don't understand the decisions that they're making are going to not only impact them now. They're going to impact them later on in their life hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the best sample I can think of there is that the smart device that I'm holding in my hand mm, that was, everybody well, is, gonna talk about. is either listening to us on right. or has somewhere in proximity if you don't already have it in your hand and you're kind of listening to us. Mm-hmm. The fact is that smartphones are very much like what Marty and Doc were talking about in Back to the Future. They are small television stations. Yes. You and I can right now reach at least hundreds of people in a moment's notice. Right. That's awesome if you want to try and tell someone what you're thinking. Right. It's not so awesome if you have your clothes off and your boyfriend's got it in his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about, dire consequences, where things change and they cannot be undone. Right. That's something that we live with that we we had nothing like that. Yeah. If you, Thank God we didn't. Oh, no, Thank I, God. I, I can't even imagine if I'd have been on my own television station when I was a kid. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the gist, though, is that... Oh, can you imagine if Steven Spielberg would have had it at his age? Yeah, well, wow. Yeah. But anyway, who knows? yeah. Who knows? Yeah. The, the, the gist is that children growing up now have a completely different paradigm, as do their parents, who also had something just completely different when they were growing up. And based on how they were raised and how they then spill those decision-making elements onto their kids, mm-hmm. that's what we have that is developing into future society. Yeah. 
So we've talked about personal responsibility. We've talked about light bulb moments that help guide you for those yes. those personal responsibility moments right. that are just simply not happening. They're, right. just, they're not. They're not. Right. Uh, they are in select cases, but almost traditionally, it's always because there's real parenting that's being implemented. Mm-hmm. And when the real parenting is implemented, not surprisingly, you kind of see kids that get it. Yeah. You you understand that they are going someplace. There's some leadership principles that are instilled. They eventually choose to jump into those leadership principles. And that's where you start seeing societal norms and guidance being developed. But right. without those, yeah. it's anarchy. It's exactly. Absolute, it's, it's exactly what the what the Joker built inside of the Dark Knight, the Batman film, which is just, there. it's chaos. Yeah. There's yeah. things going on around you, and there's nothing to guide you. Right. That is chaos. And that's where you've got to you've got to find some tether to some sort of guidance, whatever it is, whether it's a teacher, which is where I actually, I know I got more guidance from many of my, my teachers than I did, especially my dad earlier. Yeah. But then also from my mom, because yeah. my mom was kind of a lost soul after my dad left. Right. And so teachers, without question, are what helped guide me to a lot of the stuff that is now foundational educational principles that I live my life by. Right. Without those, how many kids have been lost? You know, how do we how do we even begin to calculate or guess any of that? The next point that you went on to, uh, unless there's something else in the middle, is including the elderly. Yes. And I have a great story for that. Oh, okay. Uh, my mom talked to my daughter, who was then 13 into 14. Okay. At least three hours a day. Okay. Excellent. Was, yeah. That's great. It was awesome. Until she dies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's not so awesome. That was the one thing I was thinking about that is that these kids get attached to an old person, they die. But that's also a learning part of what life is about, too. It absolutely is. It's definitive learning lesson. But unless someone can help teach that off-ramp portion of what death means. And how would you? How would you instruct that child out? And give a concept to someone where the relationship that you have ends, but there is a relationship that you can continue Okay, well, we're spilling stuff on to, especially if they're younger children. Mm-hmm. Those are hard concepts for an adult to grasp yeah. in that the relationship can continue with your dead parent. What the hell are you talking about, Mike? Well, they live on in you. Yeah. There are many times now, my dad happened to die this year in January. Yeah. And what I notice is, especially when I'm watching television, I will hear a laugh come out of my face that sounds exactly like my dad. Me too. I mean, like, was that my dad? Yeah. And, and it's... Whenever I think of that, I instantly think of the sage old Lion King moment, which is where all of that is from. Mm-hmm. They live on in you. They're right. not actually gone. They live on in you. They right. live on in the lessons that you're going to teach other people. They live on in the legacy that you leave everywhere that you go and everything that you do. And so they live on in you. And in those 30 seconds that we've just spilled onto people mm-hmm. is the solution that you need to use as the formula for the off-ramp for people when they die, especially to kids. They live on in you. That is the message you need to be giving to every child, regardless of their age, whether it's you to your child or you to your child about their grandparents or someone else. It's exactly the same concept. Okay, but in the, what we're talking about is is in school. So how would a teacher teach a child that your grandparents, not just your grandparents, but older people live on in you? Well, and they do. Especially if you have those conversations that you're talking about. Yeah, all right, everybody. Remember when Mr. Price was in here last week mm-hmm. telling us about his daughter that lives in Manhattan and, and how different the city is than where we live? Does everybody remember that? Raise your hand. Can they raise their hands? 
that's where you start referring back to that story, and the story are key components of a legacy. Okay. Which is why we're podcasting right, right now. Right, exactly. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I mean, is as soon as you start bringing it full circle into something that you're developing and building as a life's library mm-hmm. that turns into legacy in particular after you're gone, yeah, that's when it starts to turn into something completely different. And the eventual light bulb moment that you'll have with your child, that's what we're talking about here. So do you think that this is something that should be implemented oh, as part of the with, method? Without question. But how would, and I thought about that because I was thinking about that as I was writing it down. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you deal with this? Because I want the children to have the relationship, the, the, really the, growing into a mentorship mm-hmm. with the senior citizens, but they do just pass away like that. Right. How do you handle that in a teaching environment? The, the environment to grab is something very much like what, uh, Steven Spielberg has developed for something called the Shoah Foundation. The Shoah Foundation was piggybacked on the back end of Schindler's List. Oh. And essentially what it did was it went and videotaped and interviewed all of the surviving Holocaust survivors. And it allowed all of their stories, regardless of what direction they wanted to take, to mm-hmm. be told, mm-hmm. captured, and libraried in complete detail. That's fantastic. And what that means is that, you know... you. I will never put down a Holocaust survivor story. There are so many different stories to tell. They all have a similar theme, unfortunately. Right, yeah. Um, but all of those stories are now available right now on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so whether that means there needs to be a series of curriculum where you go and you visit these stories from the from the Shoah Foundation, mm-hmm. or we just start having municipalities that start making things like that, where you get a series of, say, podcasters yeah. who then invite the elderly into their studio to talk about one life story or a series of life stories over the course of a month or whatever it's going to be. That would be. be fascinating. Yeah. And you can get them on video or on audio or however the program is going to work. And then you do what essentially amounts to a book report on that interview with the children. That's, I love that idea. Yeah. And that, that at the same time, you wouldn't have to worry about taking the kids out of the school to do it. Right. But I think I'd love a combination of both. I would like yeah. I would like well, in the flesh and doing that as well. Yeah. The neat part is that you can also spike the volleyball when it comes to you must have diversity. Okay, no problem. We'll talk to any ethnic range that you want because we've videotaped them all or we've recorded them all. Yeah. And see that that's that's what I'm talking about taking the culture and using the culture to build mm-hmm. rather than using culture to tear down, i.e., wait a minute, where's the black representation? Yeah. Okay, well, it's in there. Yeah. <laughs> you, right, just have exactly. to, you just have to either go select it or schedule it or whatever you want to do to make sure that everybody's getting a piece. Right, exactly. Where, where's the female perspective? Oh, it's in there. Right. You, you just have to go and plan it. Yeah. And th- that's what I mean. The faster you make selections available, the faster all of the problems can get solved so that you're building solutions. I just thought of something, and this would be so cool if you could do this. Maybe the same instance, you've got a, a, a live interaction between the kids in the classroom, and like uh, maybe some people are, are at a senior citizen's home or something like that, and there's uh, like the, the, the senior citizens, maybe they're, they're different split screens, or they're just in the group, and the kids are throwing out questions, and the, the uh, senior citizens are answering, and it's just it's interactive like that. I, I don't mind that. I, I guess where I kind of go, especially having done as many interviews as I've done over the years, right? technology will typically fail you on stuff like that. Ah. The other thing you've got to deal with is uh, it also takes out the editing factor and ah. that if Susie Q elderly woman kind of gets off on a side tangent, okay, well we can get rid of that and not have to worry about it where 
a kid asking a question, well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it definitely works for the, the fun factor of being able to ask whomever a question, blah. Right. Uh, again, it's an X factor, mm-hmm. and it then also makes the length of the interview an X factor, which you don't want. What you want right. is, say, a 25-minute interview followed by 20 minutes of question and answering. Well, yeah, that could be the editing process. Like the kids uh, the week before submit a bunch of questions, and then it goes through that process mm-hmm. where the, the senior citizens are being interviewed, and then it's edited. Yeah. Billy, uh, Billy, so-and-so in such-and-such class, uh, this is your answer to that question. And then yeah. it's like, hey, that's my question. Yeah. The other thing about elderly interaction is that I know how valuable it is, and here's yeah. how I know. my I don't have any idea right now what my grandmother on either side or my grandfather on either side mm-hmm. did as a profession. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. There are some stories that have been told where I can kind of discern what's going on. There are some company names that I can remember that my dad mentioned for right. my my grandfather, but my other than my you know my my grandmother working in radio in Tennessee, I mean like I don't know what right. company did she work for. I don't know what building she worked in. I don't know. Is it well, possible who did she to interview as a what's that? Is it possible to learn all that? I'm certain you can go and dig. It's just it's a matter of is it going to benefit me for the time that I dig into it. Yeah, you're Th- right. This kind of gets back to that that. That sage old thing of digging into your family lineage and family tree chart, mm-hmm. blah. I don't have a lot of interest in doing that, and it's just because I want there to be some result on the end of my yield of time. Okay. And I, I just don't see it. Okay. My dad's dug into it, and he's found out that for the longest time, we thought we were a dedicated German family. We're not. We're Irish. Wow. Okay, well... <laughs> It, That's it, a shift. It took until my mid-30s to know that. Not that we're some kind of dedicated German family with going to get our Lederhosen and drink German beer and grab a whole bunch of s- sausages of some kind. I had the same thing happen when I went back to North Dakota this week. Right. And, and that's kind of what I mean is, like, I don't mind digging into and finding out more information either way, whether it's Irish or German. It doesn't make any difference to me. But if I'm going to go dig into it, there needs to be yield on the end of whatever I'm digging into to be worth the time I would spend. And I don't... I, I don't I don't discern that currently, okay. so I don't I don't worry about it. But there are people that do. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a gentleman I know who has traced back more than 27 different generations backwards, wow. and it's amazing. You look at the work. How many work years ago is that? I don't even know. Oh. But he, he's traced back seven or 27 different lineages to track back and find all of the people's so names. No, that would places fascinate and, me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's cool if you've dedicated that much time to it because with that, there is yield. Mm-hmm. But they just go back and go, I'm now going to know the three generations of, well, me, my grandparents, and their parents. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't take a lot for that, and it's not because I don't care. It's just, again, it's yield. Right. What, what is that going to yield for me? Mm-hmm. And the answer is not a whole lot, which might actually be a problem of mine in that I, does that mean I'm not conveying enough value to what was before? Because there is value. Yeah. Uh, the, the sample is uh, both of my parents, we don't actually know why they died. We just know that they're not alive anymore. Mm-hmm. And there are some other elements and factors based on either hospital stays or previous medical conditions or whatever. Yeah, for your child, you might want to know that. That's that's kind of relevant now, information. Now, I agree with that, but yeah. okay, they're both cremated, so now what do we do? Well, yeah. And the answer is we don't do anything because we don't know. Right. We can go back and speculate. The other question is, and I haven't, again, it's a matter of yield and digging, Mm -hmm. but if I go and I say, hello, my parent is dead, I would like to know what all of their medical conditions were. Would you please tell me? Mm -hmm. Well, no, we can't do that, Mr. Wilkerson. Okay, well, so how the hell am I going to dig into that, even though I can prove that I'm the kid? Yeah, that's when I definitely think that patient confidentiality laws have just yeah, really if, gotten. If ridiculous. they're gone, then 
Right. Well, then who's hurt? What does it hurt for you to know? Right. That's right. just and dumb. I, now, I don't know the laws that it, there isn't some sort of clause that says if they're dead, well, who cares? And we're going to tell you because we don't want you to die the same way. Huh. Well, now, see, I, I think that that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I can if I go, that. hey, my dad always told me, you know, he had a few medical conditions is what he would say. Mm-hmm. But if he died of something more intense or something that he did know about. I would love to know that, not so that I know my dad was lying to me, but so that I can avoid that pitfall as well as someone right. that is related to him. Right. That might be the only reason why I'd like to know more about my family lineages, because, you know, let's say diabetes runs in the family. Mm-hmm. Every single generation's had it for the last eight generations. Right. Okay, well, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely and it, it is. it's more than just you need to make sure you're not having too much jelly on your peanut butter sandwich. It turns into something much more dire. Anyway, the, the, right. the, the gist of interacting with the elderly is that it's incredibly valuable. Yes. It's a a totally valuable educational touchstone that everybody should have, but there's got to be a plan. It's just like anything else. Yeah. There's got to be a plan to take in the information. And again, in my daughter's case, there's got to be an exit strategy for when those people are no longer around. Right. And that is something that's missing. Yeah. If we walk into any family on planet Earth right now and we go, okay, your middle child is dead. What are you going to do and say to your kids? How many people have thought of that? Nobody. And that's what I'm saying is that I'm not saying everybody let's focus on that, but let's prepare. Right. Let, let's have a conversation about making sure that there is a, a conversation that can be had rather than just we don't know what to say and so we're not going to say anything. Right. Because everybody's had that situation somewhere in their life where they don't know what to say or it's embarrassing. Worse yet, it's just you've learned the wrong thing. When we start talking about teenage pregnancy, oh, yeah. how, how many of those parents and those kids have had a conversation about the word penis going into the word vagina, mm-hmm. literally? Right. Probably how many? Very how many? Few. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying is that the, the lack of education in a discussion is easily the largest barrier to education. Because if you don't have the conversation, you will learn nothing. That is a given. Yeah. The next piece you talked about was diet. Yes. I am a raging sample of I did not get the right diet as a kid. I mean, seriously. Wow. I've always been a large kid. I've always been an incredibly athletic kid, so awesome for me. Yeah, you burned it off. Right. <laughs> but but the, the gist is that without question, there's never been a time in my life until maybe I was 28, mm-hmm. 30, mm-hmm. where there was ever a discussion of what is going into my body and what's happening with it that made sense. You have the whole food pyramid thing that mm-hmm. was prolific through most of our childhoods and I, right. I remember a lot of it i remember a lot of the pieces that i didn't like to touch like i don't know every vegetable on planet earth right mm-hmm. okay but what we didn't talk about was the processing of those foods mostly because when you're 7 10 even 15 years old the word processing doesn't mean anything to you you don't care no so let me get this straight i can't have a rosati's pizza no you can have a rosati's pizza you just can't have a rosati's pizza every other day okay that's the conversation we needed to have. Yeah. As opposed to, no more Rosati's pizza for you. You're gaining too much weight. Okay, well, screw that. I'm going to have Rosati's pizza. Up yours. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, nothing, no, nothing stopped that. Right. That's kind of what I mean about the having a conversation about something rather than a definitive end of that. No more. Do you think if you would have been, like, say about fifth, sixth grade, if you would have had the kind of... Uh, education that we're talking about that it would have had an effect on you if you just saw you know supersize me and went god i don't know what that happened to me something like supersize me would have freaked me out i don't don't know how it doesn't i don't show my daughter supersize me because she loves to go to mcdonald's she doesn't love to go to mcdonald's and get burgers she likes to go and get the breakfast burritos which are a reasonable it's not bad a reasonable sample it's not awesome right but it's a hell of a lot better than the stuff you can get there it's definitively better than most of the stuff and 
th- th- that's the gist is that it's the conversation. Mm-hmm. She knows that we're not going to go to McDonald's every single day on planet Earth, where I really do think that for many parents, it's a sad option. It is. It really they, is. They get in their truck. And they go, my God, we got to be somewhere in 15 minutes. Um, look, there's the Golden Arches or insert name of restaurant. Right. Or, hey, why don't you just have another another uh, another pack of fruit snacks real quick? Yeah, okay, exactly. Well, no. You, at some point, there's got to be something that's given to you, and it's that processing conversation. Mm-hmm. Getting back on the boat of something that is like um, Schoolhouse Rock. Yes. God, we've learned so much stuff from that. I totally agree. And having something that is not nearly politically pointed but is educationally pointed to help kids understand the processing of what they are eating. Cause that's the other thing is like, if you just ask a kid, what did you eat today? Mm-hmm. And before you get the first, um, they're going to have to think about what they're eating, but did they really know what's inside of what they're eating? And the answer is no. no, there's, there's no question. Now, if you go, did you get three square meals today? They'll go, I ate three times today. Right. But what did you eat? And when you start probing, it suddenly becomes an investigatory act rather than you just having a conversation, and that's where the shields go up. Right. So having a piece of education that delivers the impact of being educational, entertaining, but also that robust light bulb moment is mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Yeah. That's what Schoolhouse Rock gave to everybody. Most of the time it was via song. Yeah. And I, I still remember a lot of those songs. Everybody does. Everybody does. <laughs> In fact, that guy, the guy that... Uh, uh, saying all of that stuff, he died recently. We'll oh, link really? Up, yeah, we'll link up to the messages. Uh, or we'll link up to the uh, the stories about that inside the show notes for this episode over at wadesense.com. To finish out diet, I, th- I think we all have a lot to look on right now. Right. In regard to what you're eating, how you're eating it, the steps to making something better for you health-wise. Yeah. We all know a lot of what those steps are, but what they also mean is either sacrifice or change. And that's where we start talking about fundamentals that are developed when we're kids. Yeah. yeah. So this really is that terrible educational circle that is not fulfilled. Right. Because it is one of the pieces, parts, I know my parents both failed on miserably, which is that you must understand what's going into your body and how it's going to impact you. And I never got that. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of that. I, I, I think that I was, I was really lucky growing up that both my mother and my sister, if my mom was working, my sister managed to get relatively uh, healthy stuff in mm-hmm. me. Right. Yeah, my mom grew up on a farm, so she knew a little bit better how to eat. And that goes back to what I was talking about as far as teaching kids how to grow food. I think that I think we should all know how to grow food if it came down to it that you could get a packet of seeds, get pointed at a piece of ground, and go grow food. Learn it, learn the process. I'm I'm kind of sideways on that. It doesn't mean that I won't, I don't want kids to learn how plants grow because I do. Mm-hmm. But I think the the me learning how plants grow that was uh, beans. I remember planting beans when I was a kid. Okay. I don't remember the concept of a garden at all being discussed. Yeah. Because it's definitely once again it is now the exception, not the rule. Well, I just I don't think it was a conversation that was being had back then. Ah. Okay, so today we're going to talk about how beans grow. Everybody, do you have your bean seed in front of you? Oh, yes. Awesome. Wow, it's just a bean. <laughs> okay, now watch. And everybody would get the little cup of dirt. We'd make sure it's watered for the next several weeks. And you'd yeah. see the little sprout. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And that's all awesome. I right. love all of that. It's a great right. concept. My daughter, however, we got her a tomato plant. It grew one freaking tomato. 
Okay, so okay. now in addition to showcasing that we don't know what the hell we're doing in regard to growing a plant, she's disappointed because there's one never going to get done tomato. Yeah, man, that's a great experience for me. Thanks. Okay, well, well right. I, was, I was picturing it like this. Okay, imagine, imagine every school does have a garden, and kids get to be a part of, of going out on a regular basis. Tending to it. Bro. Tending to the garden. And then at the very end of it, they make a salad out of the stuff that they grew. That is now a part of you. Yeah. Now, you I've know. lucked out in that I've spilled, uh, you know, really good eating habits on my daughter, uh-huh. other than the occasional breakfast burrito that we get at McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, she also loves, she's a voracious eater, so she'll eat everything. That's great. It's awesome. I don't know how I got that kid, but I did. Good for and it's you. it's awesome. Lucky yeah. you. Yeah. Well, and I really, I think that goes back to my mom, uh-huh. who didn't do the job for me, but she was always very good about making sure that Jade would try something new and different and want to try this. Okay. And that is awesome. That is exactly what needs to happen in the, the front end of a conversation needs to be loaded inside of trying things. Okay. The very first point that I made about that I think that it should be really illegal to market to children mm. under the age of 16, I, I thought that's be the one that you would really have the whole poking going. Well, let's talk about that because... Okay. And I forgot to include... Um, that they really need to do the same thing with social media as well. I, I don't think that kids need to be on social media yeah. really before the we, age we, of 16 again. We, we talked a little bit about the smartphone and this very much like physically, literally a penis and a vagina cuts yeah. out of the bag. Yeah. You know, so if you don't have the conversation beforehand, you know, <laughs> you can have the conversation later, but the cat's out of the bag. Right. And, and, that's where you've got to try and then deal with it, especially in regard to social media. But let's back up a little bit. Okay. You talked about marketing to kids. Right. Unfortunately, especially nowadays, right. kids being marketed to starts way before anything you'd even imagine. There are now DVDs that my daughter still has, and frankly, she likes to go back and listen to them, uh-huh. that are DVDs, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a DVD that is the baby Sesame Street characters singing La La Lying. I mean, like, there's different songs, and they're yeah. not actually saying the words. Right. It's just them announcing, la, 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 whatever the song is. Yeah, yeah. Well, she'll go and listen to that right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, dude, this was when she was two and three years old. Okay. So if it's entertaining to her then, and it's entertaining to her now, mm-hmm. when weren't they marketing to her? But what, that, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's the first piece. Okay. The second piece is when you start getting into the things that she wants to buy. Like, right now... Again, I'm not entirely sure where this came from, but my daughter has a, an avid love of everything Cars, the the movie Cars, okay. and the subsequent sequels and everything else. Okay. So she has this monster focus on Lightning McQueen. Okay. And so she's gone and bought every Hot Wheels car. She's gone and got every plush toy. She's gone and anything that's got, she's straight, she's just railing through everything on Amazon. Now I know what to get her for Christmas. <laughs> And so she's there. And so who to thunk that? Uh-huh. And thankfully there's not a lot of marketing on television for that. Right. But you got the internet. But there you hit it though. That's the thing is in my idea you would not be allowed to market to kids. Yeah, go ahead show the movie but stop attaching toys and restaurants it's and impossible. everything to it. It's impossible. Impossible no, no. now, but uh, this is what I'm talking about, Mike, is a paradigm shift in thinking. It's the because peni- the whole it, idea is it, it's the penis and vagina act though. It's already whipped out. How do we stick the not the marketing kids genie back in the bottle? I'll you give you ex- no. I'll give an example. If 
Do you remember in, I don't remember when it was in the 70s, maybe you might not remember this, you might have missed this. I think I was in grade school. Yeah, you'd have missed it. In grade school, uh, around long about, uh, God, what year would have been? I think it was like 77, uh, the Carter administration decided to try and push metrics on the Americans. Yeah. Now they no, backed off. That. Right. Now they backed that. off. But if they would have continued, it might have taken a couple years for it to really hit. But at this point now, we would all be using metrics, and it wouldn't even be a thought that we'd all been using the the English system. Right. But if tomorrow we started using metrics, how long do you think it would take to implement metric system inside of the United States currently? It would take a while, but that's what I'm talking it, about, Mike. It's it the paradigm happen. shift. It wouldn't happen. I'm telling you. If tomorrow some edict were passed and we were encouraged slash needed to be using metrics next year inside of all our scholastic programs... Mm-hmm. There would be somebody that hangs on the bell of that's not American or not patriotic or that's not how we've done it for a certain number of years, and so we're not going to start. Okay, well, maybe that was a poor that. example, but what I'm trying to say is if, if it started out that it was just understood that you don't market to children unless it's fun or educational, who, has, who that has kids is not going to get behind that? Fun or educational? If it's just understood... This is what we're trying to create for children, is mm-hmm. this environment so that they can grow up in a carefree environment concentrating on these things, fun and education. Yeah. It, that's, it's the paradigm shift. That's what I'm talking about creating in this Wade Sense method of taking kids to adulthood. So detail for me a fun educational McDonald's commercial. There shouldn't be one. Okay, so let's You're just tell selling, McDonald's that you can't no, no, spend no. their money on You're television. You're just selling food. Stop trying to attach toys to it. And if you want to, and if you want to market to children, market healthy food. Market the the latest salad, the latest uh, broiled recall. chicken. Sa- huh? Recall. Recall what? McDonald's just had a salad recall again. Oh. <laughs> you would have to throw that out. Salmonella. But you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Stop attaching unhealthy aspects of diet and lifestyle. To children. There, there is an entire governing board, and I'll, I'll find out if we can link to it, but the Truth in Food website is okay. something that we'll either link off to or to the audio file that I'm aware of. It was a guy that came into my studio now, I think it's almost five years ago, and what he laid down was a series of 12 different podcast episodes, or audio episodes. He doesn't have a podcast, uh-huh. but he, he captured a series of different audio segments that dialogues recommendations mm-hmm. for what should be inside of the recommended food allowances and uh-huh. education okay. system inside of America. Right. And truth in food. I've forgotten the actual address, but again, we'll have it in the show notes. Are these little rabid portions or actual realistic portions? The information is incredibly realistic. Okay. It, it, what it does is it actually preys on what is given, mm-hmm. which traditionally is stupid. Right. And then gives you what is supposed to be. And it's not just portion control and stuff like that. Right. We're talking about truth in food. Like, oh. like what are these things that we're talking about? And it like runs, what's in a chicken McNugget, that kind of thing? It's it's a little bit deeper, wider dive rather than, no, let's pick on the chicken McNugget. It, it's, it, it's focusing specifically on truth in food. Okay. Uh, again, I'll, I'll link up to it inside the show notes. Okay. Bottom line is that five years, still, all he needs to do is mention it inside of his blog, and he gets all kinds of rail traffic, which is awesome. That's exactly what it was meant to do, was to allow him to share his information and perspective with people forever. Mm -hmm. All he's got to do is go, uh, as you can listen to inside of my detailed files where I run through the truth in food, Mm -hmm. comma, with a link. All right. Okay, well, it's exactly the same concept. 
all the stuff that's inside of there is exactly what you're referring to that needs to be a much earlier conversation inside of everything. Right. Not just children's marketing, but really marketing of anything that's food-based. Well, you and I can't watch a commercial right now if we were to get on the internet and find something on YouTube mm -hmm. that is reasonably valuable and healthy. I, I, I refuse to believe it. Maybe like a salad dressing commercial? Maybe. Yeah, right. Maybe. Well, okay, here's the, now, now getting off of food, there was something else, and I've talked to parents about this before. Talk to mothers about how difficult it is for them to find clothes for their little four- and five-year-old daughters that aren't, like, almost low-cut jeans and, you know, little bikinis for kids. They're, they're trying to put adult clothes on children, and it's very hard for parents, that they, if they want to, to find clothes for their kids that aren't revealing or suggestive. Why? Why is that? Why is that even necessary? Because it's a standard. It's the same thing with Barbie dolls, dude. Okay, so stop but the standard. St stop that and change it to, to once again, fun and educational. Yeah. We'll, we'll link off to the, I'm assuming you've seen this. If you haven't, you really need to go look at it. But the, the History of Barbie movie, I've forgotten what it's called. It's something like Slender Shoulders or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, but an, an, an unhealthy body image. Is that basically what it is trying to get across? No, or? no. It, it literally is the history of what happens inside of Barbie. It, it's really good, actually. It's, oh, okay. It, it's not the supersize me, haha, gotcha moment. Right. It's the history of Barbie, and it, it, what I love is that it shows. It it doesn't show the the dire consequences of all of these diverse choices being made at the end, which I wish it was more focused on, but it's not. Right. Um, but it, what it does show is it does show what has happened over the years in regard to, yes, the body image, mm. but the way that business has been run inside of the Barbie industry slash Mattel. Okay. And then, again, the cherry on top with the whipped cream, haha, mm -hmm. is that the last line of Barbies that were run through, at least that was dialogued inside of this show, yeah. were the ones where they have changed the body image, i.e. there's kind of El Chubbo Muffin Top mm -hmm. Barbie or whatever the designation right. is. I've forgotten what it is. But there's a series of other body types they had introduced into the line. They no, they no and, longer have the ridiculously slender and uh, right. They, and, 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 and again, the key is they introduce them. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's continued to where now you can go and still find them any place, I would venture no. I would mm. venture that they've gone right back to what was the paradigm that was the normal uh, go-to, even with those same people in charge of the Barbie line. This is going to take a while to unravel, yeah. but yeah. I just I, I think that... The, again, th this is really more of about being a conversation yeah. to start conversations. Yes, exactly. It, it always has been. Exactly. Yes, and that's actually has. where we ask you guys, what do you think about this and the stuff that Wade and I have talked about? Make sure you go over to our website over at wadesense.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Everybody stay tuned. We will be right back with more Wade Sense. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? 
Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with the Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. And we are back. One of my favorite topics, because I just, you never know what you're going to find, is uh, on YouTube. YouTubery is where Mike and I will take our picks for each show and explain what it was that we found interesting or funny or topical or whatever. My pick for this segment is the hashtag walkaway movement. Something big. Very, very big is happening out there, and I don't know when we'll know for sure the full meaning or or power behind it, but uh, I've been watching, I've probably watched in the last, I would say, two or three days, probably 30 to 40 different testimonials of people from, and I'm not kidding, every background on their walkaway movement. And what the walkaway movement is, is it was started by a gay hairdresser in New York by the name of Brandon Straka, and he started a, a Twitter page. Uh, was it the Twitter? Was it Twitter or Facebook? Called the Unsilent Majority. Hmm. And what it was is he's talking about his experiences, why it was that in his life that he was a liberal, the choices that he made, and how what's happened with the Democratic Party that has totally gone off the rails and it doesn't represent what it was that he got into, the the, the freedom of speech, the free thinking, the, uh, all of the aspects of, of quote-unquote liberal thought and how the, the leftist group think has just stomped that out and is absolutely intolerant of anything other but. And then at the end he said, and that was when he walked away. Mm-hmm. And it grew into a movement, and it is huge. I watched one video after another, one testimonial after another of people who were gay, people who were straight, people who were old, people who were young, people who were black, who people who were Hispanic. It, it was weird. I was thinking about it uh, on the way over here that I was thinking the only other time that I've seen this type of a diverse, open, accepting crowd was the first blues concert that I went to because I remember looking around and I saw everybody at that concert. It was like blues music was this universal music that everybody could get into. And that was a beautiful movement. That was uh, back in 2001. Mm-hmm. 
But it's the same thing going on with this because the, the concepts, the, the similarities, the pattern that I noticed in these testimonials was they all said the same thing that, that either they were grew up as staunch Democrats or they either grew up as staunch Democrats or their family really didn't vote one way or another. But they, they, they had voted uh, Democrat their whole life, and then uh, they voted for Obama maybe once, maybe twice. They were disillusioned with what happened. They started paying attention to what happened in the news. They started talking to their friends, and then they were immediately attacked and name-called. And they were disillusioned, unhappy, and a lot of them were afraid to come out of the closet as conservatives. But this was their moment. And so many of them said, uh, I'm coming out now. This is me walking away. And it was one after another. And I know, doing what I do as a cab driver, that when I talk to somebody about a perspective, they're not just talking about themselves. They're representing hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. And this one, I think it's like, uh, what is it, like over a billion or something so far around the planet? Not just America, but other parts of the world, other parts of Western civilization that are coming to the same realization. And I think we'll see the first one when this election comes around in 2018 and 2020 might be just a mind blower. But uh, if you get a minute, get on YouTube, find a YouTube video, start with the one from Brandon Straka and just let it play. I let it just go. It just was one after another, after another. And it just blew my mind. Mike and I are conservative. Don't have any bones about that. But these were people that some of them wouldn't even say at the end, I'm not conservative, but, you know, uh, I, I, I voted for Trump. I'm, I'm happy that I did, or I didn't vote for Trump, but I'm glad that he got in. And they were just, they, they had walked away from the Democratic Party. And the thing that they noticed, all of them, once again, the same theme that I saw in these testimonials was that the people that they were talking to, they were, they were, they were so, a lot of them amazed and happy that the modern conservative movement is really and truly uh, all-inclusive. Because it's come down to a group, a number of themes. It's small government, less intrusive government, border security, jobs. It's things that we can all agree on as as people having pride in the country. And everything else is like, don't care if you're gay. Don't care if you're this. Don't care if you're that. We can agree on these simple things. Everybody come into the, t- into the same tent. And so many people, gay, straight, whatever, transgendered, they were happy to be a part of it. So that was my pick. I've got a couple. I, I was only going to list one, but I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. My, my first one is one that is near and dear. Recently, there was yet another Comic-Con out in San Diego. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Comic-Con, Comic-Con is where just about everybody that has an interest in comics slash the movies that are now out slash just about anything that's kind of expose a personality you can go there and find something i have to go to one of these sometimes just walk around not saying anything it's, it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing the the writing time i had with a being a writing staff member on the internet previously allowed me to go once and okay. you know it's 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 a city within a city of people that all have same common interests and while this year um the marvel movies piece of marvel was not there which, you know, that that sucks, and I'm really glad I didn't go this year. Okay. But what was there was 60 pieces of more than 600 pieces that are going to be auctioned off that are true movie props. 
And so I'm going to link that up via uh, one of my favorite websites on YouTube. It's Tested. Tested is the Adam Savage platform for what is now not Mythbusters. Okay. It's it's his effort post Mythbusters to talk about just a whole bunch of things. Hmm. And inside of there, it's uh, he it's his cohorts looking at a bunch of really great things. And the one that made me pick this one was Indiana Jones hat from Raiders of the Lost Ark. How much? Oh, it's just being shown. They haven't oh, had the auction okay. yet. The guy's handling the hat. Wow. And I, that, stuff like that just blows my mind. Oh, yeah. There, there's a whole bunch of other things here. I think they show about 15 different things of the 60 that were at this at this convention showcase. What I'd want was the whip. That's what I would want. There is one. There's one from Temple of Doom that is in there. Okay. So that is represented, as well as just a bunch of other things. It's, it's amazing. I'm not going to run through the listing because I want you to go check it out at the show notes for this episode okay. over at WadeSense.com. My second YouTubery for this episode is, without question, the pitch meetings videos. For those that have no idea what I'm talking about, just about, me. And just, about <laughs> just about every feature film on planet Earth starts inside of an office someplace, usually a conference room or over coffee, okay. with what's called a pitch meeting. And the pitch meeting is where they're taking whatever the concept of the film is and then pitching it at somebody or a group of people to try and gauge their feedback on what's going on with whatever the name of that project is. Uh And this effort done by a guy named Ryan over at one of my favorite jaunts slash former employers, ScreenRant.com, are just so immaculately put together that I have trouble explaining to people how much quality there is inside of these go and pick your favorite movie. It's probably been done inside of the pitch meeting. And the neat part is that it's not just the same old thing, the same old jokes, but a different topic. Well, actually it is. And there are a lot of uh, same traits that are featured inside of each of these that make you want to come back and watch the next one. Okay. Well, that's the whole point is creating content that you want people to come and listen to. Yeah. And these are all just immaculately done. The most recent one that was done that I've shared inside of my personal Facebook profile is the pitch meeting for the Mission Impossible feature film franchise series. And it's immaculate. I mean, it's just, it's it's everything you would think you would hear inside of the pitch meetings, but more importantly, the pitch meetings across what is the franchise of Mission Impossible. Go and check it out over at the show notes for this episode of Wade Sense over at our Facebook presence. We'll put it on the Facebook presence over at facebook.com forward slash Wade Sense. There was a, uh, I can tell you about this. You remember the, uh, uh, the uh, comedy group uh, Kids in the Hall? Did you ever see it? I hated Kids in the Hall. Oh, that's... You know why? Why? Because it drifts directly into Monty Python, <sighs> which I'm also not a fan of. Yeah, we, we that won't, will we won't get go into that. I was just going to say, there was one sketch where they, it, was, uh, it was a Kids in the Hall. Mm-hmm. It was this guy who's the mailroom guy, and he comes into a pitch room. And he starts just throwing out these ideas one after another. Mm-hmm. And then he gives everybody their mail. But they're all saying they're just awesome. And then he walks out. It was a great vape. Well, I liked it, but apparently you wouldn't. So never mind. If you like Kids in the Hall, go check it out. You'll we'll, enjoy it. We'll, we'll link off to it anyway. Because, I, <laughs> again, I, I know I'm definitely in the in the minority there. I just I didn't care for them because they remind me of, uh, remind me of Monty, uh, Monty Python. I, I just I find it so <laughs> sad that you don't like Monty Python. But, oh, well, eh, whatever. <laughs> Dummy Codes is, without a doubt, I know it's Mike's favorite. He was just saying that he could actually come up with a whole program full. And someday we are going to have to do that. That would be a riot. But my Dummy Codes for this show is... A duh. There's something that goes on. If you're a political junkie at all like me, then you know what I'm, you're going to know what I'm going to say. And others are going to be like, what? you got to be kidding me. In California, they have what they call jungle primaries. 
what it is is jungle primaries was this political process foisted on the people of California. If you're out there and you're wondering why California is drifting farther and farther into just straight out uh, uh, next level communism, lunacy, this will explain it. Jungle primaries is when the two top contenders in a primary uh, end up being the only two that are on the ticket. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you've got two Democrats and that's all that left and that's what's been happening in California, those are your choices. So it's left and lefter. There's 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 nothing else in between. And when I think about that being, once again, foisted on the people of California who, um, believe it or not, they're, they're, they're not all... Uh, left and loony. There's actually large portions of California that are fairly conservative uh, in their voting habits and nature, but they don't have a choice anymore. And this is causing an exodus in California of people who finally had it. That's it. I'm done. Uh, I'm taking my companies, my money, my family and leaving. And there's other parts of the country. I was. I remember where it was that uh, I was watching this, but there's other parts where they're starting to uh, suggest the same ideas. California, believe it or not, folks, was actually the governor of California was Ronald Reagan. It was a very, very successful state. And just in that time period, in just the last 40 years, it's been drifting farther and farther left. This is part of the process. The dummy code I would give to the, uh, I guess, uh, uh, the voting board in California that let this lunacy take hold. I, I don't know how you would stop the process, but I at least wanted to bring it to attention. So, that's my dummy code for the show. That's a good dummy code. It's also got vocabulary there that I'm certain people haven't heard of. Jungle, jungle primaries? Yeah. That's very cool. I, I like that a lot. We'll be sure to link over to a bunch of what we can find on that, too. My dummy code is built of three parts that, for this episode, Wade. The first one is, of course, <laughs> the boiling water challenge. All of us will vividly remember the ALS ice water challenge, right? Did it. Okay. As did my wife. I was encouraged to do it and bailed out several times and made donations in regard to the ALS challenge, blah. Good for you. However, the boiling water challenge, really? What are we talking about here? You don't pour boiling water on your ass. Hello? Wait, this is serious? You're yes, not making this up? I'm not making this up. Oh, my God. This reminds me of the, the snorting condoms events that oh, were going on. Just in case you were all wondering and coming to Wade Sense for a bit of education this this afternoon, I just wanted to make sure you understand. Keep moving on. <laughs> yeah. No, no boiling water challenge. Do not engage. My second dummy code today has got to be... <laughs> saving money on your car wash. Wade, what's the most creative thing you've ever done to avoid having to go get your car washed? Ever. Got really carried away at a gas station with just the squeegee. Squeegee? Wow. Yeah, it, it didn't look good. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> you know what, though? It probably looked better than a river washing away your truck. <laughs> That's right. I'm referring to the fact of a Chinese man who, instead of going to the car wash and spending two American dollars, he chose to drive his truck into a river. Wait a minute, Intentionally, this was? Yeah. Wow. There's video. And so, not so strangely, for those that don't know the power of water, like this idiot, okay, well, away it goes. There's nothing left. The car washes away, makes an insurance call, and everybody laughs at his ass. So again, for those that are curious, don't try and save your two American dollars by driving your vehicle, regardless of whether it's a truck or not, into 
a river. I said, where does he get a car wash for two dollars? That must be one of those handheld China. ones. Uh, yeah, okay. In China, that's where. Oh, in China, that's where it actually happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. All um, right, our last dummy code is dedicated to something very educational, something that everybody should know, and I think I might actually vault the table if you're not educated to do so. Okay. Do you drive a stick shift? I know how to, but barely. Okay, that's disgusting. Because everybody on planet Earth should, right now, be able to sit down in a car that has a stick shift and drive the car. If I had to, I could, but it's been years. Okay, I know that, and I get it, but I'm telling you that there are people that are not educated. The reason I know this... Because of the link that we'll include in the show notes that refers to a carjacking being foiled by... I saw the picture. I saw the picture. I know the the car exactly you're talking about. being a manually driven car. Now, I'm not telling everyone to make sure you know how to drive a manual so that you can rip people's cars off. Although it would help you. (laughs) But I am telling you that everybody that is a driver on planet Earth should know the concept and at least be able to get in and sit down in a car that can be driven via stick shift and drive the car. It's okay. you must, it, 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 it's such a, it's again, it's that stair stepping of learning where you drive a stick. So many different things change for you when you sit down and drive an automatic, it instantly changes your perspective. Okay, I can agree with that, but there's also, I mean, there's a reason that that stick shift isn't really, I mean, that manual transmission isn't around yet, or isn't around so much anymore, is technology moved on. It's like what they're doing right no, now. That, no, hang on. It, it's just like what they're doing in, in uh, University City with uh, the trolley. That trolley tore the hell up of the road, is inconvenient, takes up all of this space. There's a reason that trolleys fell out of existence and buses took their places because a bus doesn't need a track. A bus doesn't need overhead wiring. A bus doesn't need all of these special circumstances. I mean, did you know now that most tractor trailers, it's an automatic transmission? I mean, I agree with you. You should know how to drive a stick, but it isn't necessary. You as a cab driver should probably know, and if you don't, you should, that having a manual transmission would save you oodles of money on mileage. Yes, it would, not I'd probably get into accidents trying to do everything else and shift. Uh, that's just the fact. It, it really right. would. Sure, but I'm telling you, especially with something that's mileage-based, yeah. no, you're you right. would instantly you are save right. oodles of money. And right. there's a reason that you would save oodles of money, and it's not because they're phasing out auto, uh, manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. It's because they are no longer being made as an option. Not because they're not better. Not because there's better mileage gained by them. It's now, just that because, bothers me. That yeah, bothers when it should me. bother you. Yeah. It should bother you. There should be options to make whatever you want, either manual or automatic. Right. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, that completes our third part of my dummy code session inside this episode of Wade Sense. We want to know what dummy codes you want to have implemented by going over to our Facebook presence. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Wade Sense. Chime in on any one of the threads that's there or start your own. And let's talk more about dummy codes. Of all the segments that we've come up with on Wade Sense, one of the ones that I personally am the most proud of is Wisdom of the Ages. And this is where Mike and I go back as far back in recorded time as possible and try and find pearls of wisdom that have stuck out and see if they still hold true for modern man. And for the most part, we're finding that that's still true. My pick for this segment is by Ben Franklin, who's a personal hero of mine. And this was came, this came out of Poor Richard's Almanac in 1757. Act upright and despise calumny. Dirt may stick to a mud wall, but not to polished marble. 
I think that you can look at that and it's not hard to see that basically that means if you watch yourself, if you watch your character, if you try and rise above it all, that if someone throws slander your way, and that's what calumny means. It means slander or character assassination, that it doesn't mean anything. It's like I used to tell my kids, if somebody says something about you in school and it's not true and you don't care about their opinion, why does it matter to you? And I think that's what Ben Franklin was trying to get across. Ben Franklin, the reasonably pudgy yeah. loner guy that didn't have hardly any friends because he was Are you alone. kidding me? Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Are we talking about the same guy? Ben Franklin was the our country's first superstar. There were pictures of him in France right next to the king or above the king in France. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, he had uh, the number of women, young women that he had fallen, and he was extremely popular. How is this guy a loner? Pudgy, yes. Loner? Okay. No, I got to look into this. I, I, this is the first time I have ever heard that about him. My Wisdom of the Ages segment is going to focus on one of my favorite movies, something we'll be doing a perspective review on, I would guess, reasonably soon, because it's been a long time. And the quote is, I'll let you guys guess what the movie is before I tell you what it is. <clears throat> it's understanding that makes it possible for people like us to tolerate a person like yourself. <sighs> For those that are curious, this is from 1986's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Yes. I remember him talking to uh, the maitre d'. Right. Yes. Sorry. And it it is a singular piece of genius that is not quoted nearly as often as it should be because it is an excellent segue to have a conversation that ceases and you to get the upper leg, Mm -hmm. which is the whole point. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's one that struck me and struck me recently, mostly because my 30th uh, high school reunion was recently. How did that go? I didn't go. I wasn't able to go because of a work conflict. And, oh. But the pictures were awesome. It was it was great to see so many old faces that are not nearly as old as you would think a, a 48-year-old would look, which is fun. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 again, I marvel at something that I think we talked about. I'm sorry maybe. you didn't get to go. That's eh. right. 35th one will be there, and I'll be there. Okay. Being able to talk to somebody and tell them that you don't care for their perspective and it allows uh, their perspective allows me to tolerate them is uh, a singular piece of wit that is probably unmatched in regard to Battle of Wits. That movie was such a classic. Yes, it was a great one. We'll have uh, show note links up to the movie itself as well as where you can buy it. And then more importantly, later on, we'll have a perspective review link up there as well. As always, everybody, I hope that you have had as much fun as Mike and I have had listening to this as we did making it and recording it. Please remember, you can either make excuses or you can have results, but you cannot do both. My name is Wade B. Olson, and this has been Wade Sense.
pick one. Use what you want. Have fun. Use it as your ringtone for me. That'd be really entertaining. Okay there. It's Mike. Oh wow. Okay. Be sure you put in the the Wade snort in there. That's awesome. Wade snort. Wade Welcome snort. to Wade snort. That's what we'll do for for April Fools. We'll rename the show. Wade snort. The show will now be called Wade Snort. It'll be nothing but Wade and I snorting to each other. <laughs> Why? Yes, Wade. 